Howdy. How's it going? I'm not good with the introduction thing. So we'll just get on started. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And when you get there, say amen and we'll get on started. Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 18. Get there, say amen, and we'll get on going here. All right. Thank you. Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 18. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hast he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chase him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And jumping down to verse 33, it says, And when they had come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. So this morning, you're going to have to give a little bit of a background of where I'm coming from, because we're going to have a little interesting uh, thing going on here. Being on the road all the time, you know, you kind of get bored. I mean, let, you know, we don't talk all the time. So Mama has a, the uh, Sirius XM radio thing, that big satellite radio, and there's a station on there that has the old school, old time radio shows. It's like television, but without the pictures. It's, it blew my mind whenever I first heard about it. And there's a very cool show on there that I like. I mean, I like all of them, like Johnny Dollars, Suspense, um, Six Shooter, Have Gun, Real Travel, all the cool ones. But there was one that I like called Dragnet. And for the people who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's like Law & Order or NCIS or, you know, like an investigation show. And I really like that. And by the way, Pastor, I had no idea you were a police officer. So that's really cool. And so today, this message is going to be like a Dragnet episode. So the case is murder. The victim is Jesus. Our job is to find out who killed him. We know what caused his death, crucifixion, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But now we need to know and find out who caused his death. So we have a few couple of eyewitnesses here. We have John's account in John 18, and we have Mark's account in Mark 15. And these are reports of what the victim was doing prior to his death. We see that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to his father. So we know kind of what was going on before he was arrested. And so now we caught up in Luke, what we just read, we caught up to what happened 
right at the moments of when he was killed. We can see that he was before Pontius Pilate, the governor. We can see that people were screaming their heads off saying, we want this man killed. And because of these different uh, eyewitnesses, we have two prime suspects that we're going to look at this morning. The first up is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the group of people who brought Jesus to Pilate. And the second person is the man himself, Pontius Pilate, who he stood before. So let's look at the Pharisees and Sadducees first and foremost. According to witness accounts, they have already been at Jesus' throat. All throughout the Gospels, we can see where, for example, when he was at Nazareth, the Pharisees and the Sadducees stirred up the crowd to the point they wanted to throw him off a cliff. We can see another situation where they tried to pick up stones and stone him. So we have numerous accounts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees trying to kill Jesus. Also, according to eyewitnesses, according to the events of his arresting, they were actually illegal in holding a trial against Jesus. You see, once they got him at the Garden of Gethsemane, they pulled him into a trial, which by all accounts was illegal. And let's see why these were, this was an illegal trial. Number one, there was no possibility of a fair trial. According to what we've already seen, they had already planned and plotted to kill Jesus. It didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter who came forward. It didn't matter what Jesus said. It wouldn't matter what any witnesses said. They had already determined that Jesus was guilty. They didn't care. If anything, this was just like a, just so they can say that they did something. Just, just so we can say we held a trial. We will. But really, we know where it's going. Another example of why it was illegal was, according to the Jewish law, a capital trial at night was illegal. What could it say? It said that Jesus, whenever it was nighttime, when evening was come, he said to his disciples, let us go to the garden where he went very often. That's why Judas knew where he went, because he went there quite a bit. And they came with their clubs and their torches and their, practically their pitchforks, really. <clears throat> and they came and they took him away to a trial. So when someone's life was at stake, according to the Jewish law, it had to be held during the day, not at night. Another part, they shouldn't have looked for witnesses after the trial had started. Once again, according to the Bible and Jewish law, a trial was only to start when witnesses came forward first. However, if we look at the events of the trial that was held, they captured and arrested Jesus, and then they went and looked for witnesses. That's kind of backwards. So now that they have him, now they're going to try to find people to accuse him of something. Instead of the proper way, which was the other way around. So the Sanhedrin should not have gone out to look for witnesses after they already had him. Well, to add insult to injury, they used false witnesses. They couldn't even find people who would honestly have anything against this man. They went out and found people, I bet they even paid him, like, listen... Say something bad about this guy, and we'll like give you some money. We'll pay off your debts. I don't know. We'll just keep it on the down. And just, just say anything. And so, they used false witnesses. Next up, something very, very interesting. The false witnesses were not punished. Once again, according to the law of that time, if you were a false witness, whatever punishment you desired to afflict on the defendant was to be done to you. So these false witnesses that came and said he deserves to die, he deserves to be crucified, technically they were the ones who were supposed to be punished, not Jesus. But no, the judges, the Sanhedrin, the, the people of that time brushed it under the rug. 
and said, don't worry, it'll be okay. Just lie about it and you'll be all okay. It'll be fine. Next up, the judgment should have been delayed till the next day. I mean, these people have doing everything wrong. In capital cases, the judgment was to be delayed till the next day. But if we read in the Bible of the account, the high priest said, Are you the Son of God? And Mark, he, Barry just says, Are you the Son of the Most High? And Jesus simply says, I am. And you will see me sitting at the right hand of the power, coming in the clouds of heaven. And he ripped his garments and said, What more do we need? What judgment should we pronounce? And right then and there, they pronounced judgment and said he deserves death. Instead of chilling out, holding up to the next day to render judgment. In fact, this is exactly why, another thing that was illegal, trials were never to be held on a Friday, a night before a Sabbath. And that's exactly what it says. It says it was a preparation day. That was the day before the Sabbath. You can't render judgment on a Sabbath day. Because you're supposed to not work. That's what the Bible said. That's what they held back then. So to hold a trial at Friday when you needed to render the judgment the next day on Saturday, it just didn't make sense. So I think they knew that. That's why they hastened it up and broke the, the last one. And so all these things work together to where this trial is completely illegitimate, completely illegal. But the, probably the worst thing that they did, all things aside here, is they never stopped took into consideration Jesus' testimony. They never stopped to think, maybe he's right. Maybe the things that we're hearing about him is true. You know, the Bible says that the Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. He was. It says that he'll come into Jerusalem on a donkey. He was. It's all these miracles that he's doing. In fact, the, the, uh, in John chapter 3, they came to him, uh, Nicodemus, <laughs> my brain, sorry, waking up early. Nicodemus came to him and said, listen, we know you are from God because nobody but from God can do the things you do. But they were so blinded by their rage, so blinded by their jealousy, they never stopped to think maybe he was exactly who he said he was. I remember researching and people saying, oh, Jesus never claimed this or never claimed that. In Mark, he simply says when they asked him, are you the son of God? He simply says, I am. But they never stopped to think about that. So with these facts, we can see that they had motive. They were jealous. They hated him from the very beginning. As soon as his ministry broke through, and maybe at first they were like, oh, well, he'll, just, he'll be okay. But as soon as they realized that they were following after Jesus, as soon as they realized that they were like, oh, he teaches us as if he has authority and not like the scribes and the Pharisees, they were getting mad. So they had motive. They had cause. They arrested him. They already found him. In fact, they were the ones who really started the chain of events that led to his death. But now let's look at the second person, Pilate, the governor. In fact, uh, I did some research here, and he was the fifth prefect of the Roman province of Judea. And it's believed that he was reigning from 26 to 36 AD. According to witnesses, he too would have had motive to kill Jesus. Due to the fact that the Jews were saying that Jesus was a king. He's a king of the Jews. This was against Roman rule. Anyone who claimed to be a king went against Caesar. And anyone who went against Caesar 
was to die. And so Pilate was at a dilemma. And we can even see this here. He was like, I, don't, I think they're making this up. I, I don't see why they're bringing you here. But still, this had to be dealt with. And he knew that. In fact, the motive would have gotten even stronger because in John 19, 12, they said, if you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Now, what does that mean? It means if he would have let Jesus go and it would have got all the way to Caesar that Pilate let someone go who's claiming to be king, it would have been his head on the line. So Pilate, once again, had to do something. So he didn't let him go. And he actually ordered his crucifixion. He washed his hands and said, let him be crucified. So at 3 p.m., Jesus is pronounced dead. So, my little detectives, who killed him? Who caused his death? We know that he was crucified. That was the cause of death. We know around when. But who caused it? Well... There's a slight problem with all this because Jesus himself said in John 10, 18, no man takes my life. Okay, so you can't kill someone who can't be killed. At least that's in my thinking. If you're unable to kill him, you just, you can't kill him. In fact, he said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it back up. So, who then is responsible for this man's death? Because it was confirmed that he died. The Roman soldier stood beside him, pierced him in his side, and said, yep, he's dead. So, who is responsible? Well, in John 10, 11, Jesus said that he gives his life for his sheep. So, the true culprit... The one who is really responsible for the death of Jesus is us. We killed him. We are the ones who caused his death. So now, it's time for judgment, punishment. And according to Jewish rule, according to the Bible, when one is the cause of innocent blood, murdered in cold blood, death is required of them. So our punishment that we require is death. We deserve to die. However, I've just received news and reports from our uh, investigators on the field. And these reports are saying that Jesus ain't dead. So we can't be charged with the death of an individual who ain't dead. The only way that we could be charged with anything is if the offended party wishes to press charges against us. And we have asked Jesus. And he does not wish to press charges against us. Rather, he has offered Forgiveness and mercy in his place. We killed him. We caused his death. But he has extended a hand of mercy to us in his place. He offers love, forgiveness, mercy, kindness. 
And so now the question is, with his death, he offers us life. How are we living our life? How are we living the life that Jesus gave to us? Because the interesting thing is, and Paul says it, that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me. It's Christ in me who loved me and gave himself up for me. So when we crucified him, when we killed him, really we killed ourselves. And when he rose, we rose with him. So now, how are we living our lives? Are we living in such a way that's pleasing to Jesus? When he comes again, and he is coming, he is on his way. Will he look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. Now you'll be ruler over much. Or will he say, oh dear, you screwed that one up, didn't you? So I want to question you, challenge you this morning. Where do you stand? If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, asked to be forgiven of your sins, washed in His blood, you are responsible for His death. But if you have accepted Jesus, if you do follow Him as Lord and Savior, are you living your life to be pleasing to Him? Paul once again said, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your bodies. Are we living our way? Are we living in a way that's pleasing to him? That when he looks down from his throne, he smiles? Or does he kind of cringe a little bit? And so that's the question this morning. And as we wrap things up here, and as we open up the altars for an invitation, examine yourselves. Are you where you need to be? If you haven't accepted Jesus, He offers an open hand of forgiveness and mercy. He offers to wash away your sins. You don't have to leave here responsible for Jesus' death. You don't have to leave here with His blood on your hands. But if you have accepted Him, don't walk out of here living a cause of shame to him and to his death. I was reading just the other day in Isaiah that he was marred, damaged beyond any recognition of being a man. You couldn't even recognize him when he was up on the cross. It was so bad. We need to live our lives to where it was worth it to him to give up himself like that. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the altars, I pray that you would touch your people. Draw us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Show us where we need to look at ourselves. Examine us, O oh God. Holy Spirit, spend some time and examine us. Let us look in the mirror in the name of Jesus. And as we begin to open up, and I believe we're going to play Amazing Grace, Lord. And that is, in fact, it. Amazing Grace that let us be saved. Lord, Holy Spirit, meet us where we are. Meet us when we come to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.